Excerpt from the Index of Assignments of the Tenders of the Dawn's Embers. 4. 11-11. Wayward. Threatened split of magnetic certainty. Lead agents, Udin Nim Shalif, Prilicent Nim Asul. Orlantian, 1201. Caffian. Sounds cause unprecedented plant growth, subsuming other life forms. Primary mission lead agents, Entwis Nim Kalad. Secondary mission lead agent, Quince Sidonia. Blossom, 1229. Sansa. Disruption of pentameter, unspooling of life's meter. Lead agents, Arbor's precedent, Quince Sidonia. Next entry expunged from records. Dale, 1247. Menisus. Ruptures in territory's membrane, mass death of surrounding sea life. Lead agent, Buzak Ven Q. Dirish Nim Els. Orlantian, 1423. Salafopes. Mass reformation of surrounding matter into replicas of remnant. Primary mission lead agents, expunged. Secondary mission lead agents, expunged. Tertiary mission lead agents, Sevas Nim Shalif, Ovas Nim Shalif. Lam, 1424. Rest of entry, expunged from records. Skur, 1470. Orphoclase. Disruption of strata, creation of vast clouds of porcelain dust. Lead agents, Prill Nim Prillicent, Flint Errol Tun. Skur, 1502. Relict. Leeching of time from surrounding territories. Lead agents, Oaken Nim Shalif. Expunged. Welcome to these Flimsy Rituals, a narrative-first role-playing podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. This is part two of Shards and Fragments, our special set of episodes where we're telling a standalone story in the same world that we normally play in. Um, we're joined by some very special guests. First up is Beck Mihalak. Hi, I'm Beck. I do various game things, and you can find me on Twitter at r underscore Mihalak. I'm playing Oaken, a jackal bound by duty. We're also joined by Nate Crowley. Hello, uh, I'm Nate Crowley. Um, I'm an author, narrative design consultant, and journalist. You can find me on Twitter as Frog Croakley uh, at F R O G C R O A K L E Y. Today, I'm going to be playing as the envoys of the Remnant Relict. And finally, we're joined by series regular Fryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn. You can find me at Thayrin, and I am playing the Remnant Relict. And I'm Adam Dixon. I'm playing the second of our jackals uh, called Flint. And you can follow me on Twitter at @tdixon, and you can follow the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. So, as I mentioned, we're doing a special series of one shots where we're playing The Harder They Fall, which is a game by Jay Isles. It's a game of Titanic battles for like the fate of the world. And if you listen to our last episode, we kind of set up that world. We created our characters, we created the landscape that we're going to be playing in, and then this episode, uh, we're going to be playing the game. So kind of fortunately, as we released the first episode, um, Jay officially released The Harder They Fall. Um, so you can now go online and you can buy the game. We had a lot of fun with it. We, it was like a really, really great game to play. And hopefully that will show through. 
in this episode and the next one. Um, but if you're like listening and you like the idea of the game, like I'd encourage you to go and buy it. It's available on itch.io. So if you go there and search the harder they fall, it should come up. And we'll also put a link to the game in like the episode description as well, so you can go and find it. Okay, so we've drawn our map. Uh, the next thing we need to do is decide where we're going to be on that map. I don't know whether anyone's got a strong preference to go first. One of the things I thought is maybe if the Remnant and the Envoys wanted to place themselves, and then we can say where the Jackals are coming in. Just a brief overview of what we've got going on in the map. To the north, we have the edges of a salt bog, um, a marsh that kind of slowly, as we go down the map, turns into a forest, both of which are full of preserved woods in different kind, and um, a kind of slow-moving hurricane of butterflies. And then the map is split by a river full of preserved specimens. Floating in like argon, right? Yep, floating in argon. A discarded shell of relict and some salt plains. And then as you get nearer the mountains to the south, which are the entry to the territory, there are two villages, one called uh, Rush, which is kind of on wheels and set up to be scooping animals out of the Argon River, and one that is kind of in and around a glacier called Akomi. Between the mountains, the river, and the petrified forest, we have kind of a, a massive set of cairns of specimens and the world's slowest moving army. Relict, I think, is making their way back to the salt bog via the, the salt plains. Will you put a domino there to represent you? I do, yeah, I do um, put a domino there. Yeah, so everyone draws one domino and places it on the map. And this is the start of their chain. So when we place dominoes in the future, they will connect to these dominoes either in front of them or behind them. And over time, you're going to be building your chain before you knock them down in kind of vicious attacks. I know it's not important for the first domino, but that's a that's an 11, a good, strong domino. So it means that an 11's out of play, oh, yeah. which is interesting to know. Oh, dear. Okay. And where are your envoys? Well, I think they have been in conference. Um, and I think following Beck's suggestion last time, which I really enjoyed... Their sort of place of conference is Relic's discarded shell, which of course sits in the northwest of the map, and the Argon River sort of forks and flows around it, so it's like a big abutment. And I like to think that they like the acoustics in there, even though they communicate on a telepathic level. So there we are, and we start with a four. Not the sturdiest number around, but a pleasingly ordered one with the two uh, on each side of the domino there. And it's kind of nice to get out of the way. It means we're not going to be drawing low dominoes in the future. Um, so, so next up is us, the jackals, Beck. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about where you'd want to be? Are we entering this place together or are we... Oh, that's interesting. I was wondering what the Akomi and the Russians think of the jackals. Yeah, I, I think in my mind I was kind of tempted to go towards the rushes, because I imagine they'd be quite accepting. I don't know what a Komi would be like. Yeah, maybe they're a bit more hostile. The rushes do seem to be like people that have come in from all over the place, so we would blend in a bit better there. I, I think we had a thing with um, a Komi where they often welcome in people who want to like flee the outside world, 
So you could go, like, we could go in under those pretenses, but I quite... I would be careful of a Comey if I were you. Those people have come here because they don't much like the progression of time in the outside world, and you're a big threat to that, potentially. If they know who we are. Well, no, of course. I do have a gigantic jackal mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Oaken's not subtle about yeah. it. I'll tell you what, I can start off by scouting around in the forest. Sounds good. Okay, so I'm going to draw a domino and put it in the forest. Ooh, interesting. Another low one. A yeah, five. I have a five over nothing. Okay, and I think I'm going to start in the rushes. I think uh, Flint has kind of maybe come a little bit later than Oaken and has kind of come sort of disguised to just kind of blend in with this sort of pioneer town and the people there. And I've drawn a three, so that is like another low domino out of the way. So just to explain the dominoes a little bit, and also to explain the game a little bit, um, we're going to be playing until one of two things happens. So either one side has no strengths remaining, which means that side is defeated, or the deck of dominoes runs out. So the, the deck of dominoes we're playing with is a standard size deck. Um, it, it has 28 dominoes in it, um, of which we've just drawn four. And if at any point that runs out, we end the game and we do a little bit of a wrap-up session to see what we think has happened as the result of our conflict. And the way the game works is we're going to be taking it in turns, um, and these turns aren't necessarily going in order, like depending on what moves and actions we take, uh, the turn order will kind of flit around. But on our turn, um, we get to take one of two actions. The first set of actions we can do is called raising the stakes. So this is really about our fighter preparing for the fight in some way and taking actions in the world. So when we raise the stakes, we draw a domino from the pile, and we count its pips. And then we get to decide how we're using it. So there's three moves that we can do in raise the stakes. We can channel power, which is about channeling our power from the world, getting stronger, and we put a domino at the rear of our chain. We can advance, which means we're kind of moving or rushing forward, and we put a domino at the front of our chain. Or we can give ground, which is we give one of our foes the domino and add to their chain. When we take a channel power or advance action, we have to answer questions based on its value. And a zero to five domino tends to be tends to have negative consequences. So we might want to give ground to an opponent and answer a question about our relationship with them in order to kind of bury bad dominoes. The second set of actions we can do is called knocking them down. Once we've reached a stage where our chain is long enough and we want to attack the opponent, we can knock our dominoes down. And depending on how many dominoes we knock down, we will attack them and cause damage. We don't necessarily have to be connecting with an enemy chain to do an attack, but if we are connected to an enemy chain, we're going to be knocking more dominoes down and doing bigger attacks. There is like a double-edged sword, because if they get too big, we might end up hurting ourselves in the process. Okay, is everyone ready to get started? Yeah. Hell yeah! yeah. So... We've got two ways to start the game. Uh, the, the normal way is the person whose domino is the highest goes first. Or like one of the alternative ways is we choose who we think makes the first move. Um, so I guess it's up to you, friend. Do you want to go first or do you want to? Yeah, I, I do have the highest domino, but I also think Relic isn't going to make any moves until you're basically punching it in the <laughs> eye. So <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's worth um, one of the jackals going first. Yeah. Let's go for a jackal then. I think Beck probably would be the one to make the first move. Oaken seems pretty keen as mustard. Yeah, Oaken is extremely keen. So would you like to raise the stakes? Yes, I would. I'm going to draw a domino. So that's an eight. Which 
in in terms of the game is kind of like a middle result. So zero to five is like the lowest result. Six to eight is kind of a middle or average result, and nine to twelve is good. So I think you know I can see the remnant from where I am in the forest, and I'm gonna sneak along to the edge to get a better look at them and the situation. So I'm gonna advance. Okay, great. So when you advance, you put the domino at the front of your chain. You describe how you're moving through the battlefield. Um, is it cautious, bold, stealthy, stumbling, implacable? So I guess you just described it as kind of stealthy, right? Yeah, yeah. Not overly so, because the relic is still very far away. But I'm trying not to draw attention. And then, depending on the sum of pips on the domino, so in this case eight, ask an opponent a question. Which one do you fancy? So I'm going to ask relic. As I move out of cover, you identify or create a weak point you can exploit to your advantage. What is it? Relict, I think, just knows about it. They've probably not noticed you leaving the forest. The weak point is that the winds in the region tend to come through the petrified forest that way. And so the land in front of it, between the forest and the cairns, is kind of covered in bits of tree, like the branches and twigs that were too fine to kind of stay part of this, the petrified body that have broken off, the wind pushes them out into the plains. And so the the, the weak point is um, that you would have to go through that area quite slowly. Oh, okay. And after that, I pass over to one of my opponents, right? Uh, the opponent furthest away from you. So that would be uh, Mal. Ah. So... We are sitting around the, as I say, the big empty chamber of Relic's former shell, uh, considering how best to arrange uh, some of the new carcasses that we've collected and stacked in the bottom of the Argon Ravine. When something strikes us, it's like an itch deep in your sinuses, something you can't scratch uh, but is intensely irritating. Uh, Something has created entropy in an area where it should not be created over in the peat bog. So there are elements of ourselves suited to that environment, but we want them to keep their heads down for now. But we're going to move our attention at least over to that area. And so we're going to advance. Are you going to raise the stakes? Yes, yes, going to to raise the stakes, and I'm going to draw a domino. I was going to say, I guess it's important to say that you draw first, and then decide how you want to use it. Just in terms of the rules, you can kind of judge it depending on what you draw. Well, we shall call this a learning experience, then, because Mm. I've drawn a one. (laughs) Yeah, so in this case, you might want to give ground. No, I I think I'll do the honourable thing, and I'll, I'll keep the result, because after all, this isn't a physical movement. This is only a moving of our attention. We are focusing some of our, some more of our consciousness than would usually be allotted to the area of the peat bogs. I would imagine that the various envoys, their heads have snapped round uh, to look at the entrance to the shell, and their eyes have glazed over as their thoughts are elsewhere. Now, of course, uh, this does rather limit the questions I can ask. And what I'm going to ask you, Jackal, um, as bloodlust fills me, um, or in this case, I suppose, as outrage fills me, what nobler emotion 
does it crowd out? You can forsake one of my oaths. Ooh, okay. So what, go through your oaths again. So my oaths are to fight for relics collection, uh, to fight to hold back loss and disorder, and to fight for the time to observe and understand the things in the collection. Okay, well, it seems that you've had this quite visceral snap reaction. So the time to observe and understand, as of this moment, you've not taken that. You're starting to react on instinct instead. So I think I'm going to get you to cross out that out. Yes, it's dead. We're acting like quick and living beasts rather than creatures of patience. I suppose nothing has disturbed this territory in quite a while, and our threat response has maybe gotten a little bit rusty, perhaps in a similar way to how Relict itself is maybe becoming a bit more erratic and a bit less orderly than it used to. Uh, Perhaps we've become a little bit more bestial. So I'm going to have to forsake that oath. It didn't take long for our first oath to be crossed out. It's just, I suppose, it's a sign of how badly wrong things have have crept in this area. Yeah. So you pass over to the opponent furthest away from you, which is probably probably back, right? Yeah, this is going to volley straight back. I mean, we're, we're almost equidistant. It could very well be you. Yeah, let's throw this over to Rushes and see what happens there. Okay. I'm going to raise the stakes. Uh, so that is a free. So not particularly great. Because I know what I want to do. I, I want to channel power, but I don't know if I want any of the negative consequences. Actually, yeah. I, I can deal with this. So um, so I think Flint is definitely a by-the-books kind of person, as we established last time, at least at the moment. That might change as the battle goes on. Um, but So the thing I'd like to do is is to follow something we established in one of the episodes of the campaign, is that like there's a procedure that the jackals get taught on over how to kill remnants. And the first step of this procedure is to recite the words of the litany, which we've not really established any further than that. But in my mind, I, I was thinking about where did the jackals draw power from, like last session. One of the things I was thinking is the jackals were founded when they killed, well, when their area's remnant went out of control and they had to kill kill that remnant. And one of the things I was thinking is maybe part of the jackal's power is is in the vestiges of of that like dead remnant. They've kind of managed to siphon it away somehow, and when they go into battle, um, they recite the litany and that's a way of kind of bringing that power to them and starting to draw from it. So I think that's what I'm doing. I think it probably looks like Flint alone, probably in like a hotel room in the rushes, just kind of saying some words to himself. Um, I think maybe burning some kind of candle or incense and reciting like a little prayer. I'd imagine given the location, the incense is probably a bit thin on the ground. So you're probably using, you know, some tallow scavenged from some creature at the bottom of the ravine, not the, the best improvised materials. Yeah, maybe, maybe... Oh, so the other thing that I need to do is say which oath I'm drawing on. Which, I think at this point, is going to be I fight to keep the world civil. As well as, like, reciting the words, like, this is Polly Flint in in their mind, thinking about... Thinking about why they do this, and kind of 
almost uttering an extra prayer, which is like a hope that nothing goes too badly wrong and not too many people get hurt in this. And yeah, so I think your question, Nate, leads on to the next bit of this, which is, as I absorb power, something goes wrong. Why can't I channel power on my next turn? And I'm going to ask that to you, Nate. Ah, okay. So run me through the steps of the the ritual you've done so far. You've said the litany. Yeah, I, I, that's the only step I've taken. The steps of killing a remnant, you recite the litany, you kind of mess around with the remnant's land. So if they were a peaceful remnant, you'd sow chaos. If they're a chaotic remnant, you'd, you'd sow order. Um, then you strike the remnant down. And then you bind its heart. You kill its envoys. And then once the remnant is finally dead, you absorb some of its power to keep its ideals alive and to strengthen you in the next battle. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as... As I said, what you've done is you've bought some cheap tallow, uh, which has been, they've got uh, in these mobile towns, uh, large copper drying pots um, where they make fuel, you know, to, to stoke the boilers that move the towns and also to create candles and gas lanterns and things like that. So it's basically, there's a large fat refinery and they haul up the creatures from down below. Um, Unfortunately, uh, one of the uh, the things they've hauled up recently uh, is one of Relict's discarded limbs, because it does shed limbs from time to time. It's got great redundancy and very many limbs. Um, and so they've hauled one up, um, and it kind of looks like an enormous timber-sized piece of... Um, have you ever seen those legs of Iberico ham? It's kind of like that. <laughs> and that's been... <laughs> simmering away Uh, and so you have just burnt a part of Relict's own extremely um, sort of ossified fat uh, in order to say your litany Um, and that's rather jumped the gun that's messed with the the remnant's territory uh, and literally its own form uh, quite dramatically Um, so yes it's that's had an effect, but it's rushed things. It's sort of botched the ritual a little bit and thrown you off step as it's, it's sort of slammed you in a very immediate sense uh, into into the remnant's consciousness. So, so Relict is aware of me now. Oh, I know you're there now. Which I guess goes nicely into you pass over to an opponent of my choice. So I think Relict is the one I want to go over to. Hello, Irritant. <laughs> the beginning of my future pearl. Um, I think I am I am also going to raise the stakes because this tiny seed of awareness has just swanned into my enormous consciousness, but like a piece of grit at the end of your shoe, I just can't take my focus off it. So I'm going to have to pull myself together and try and think. And that is an eight, which is not bad. So I think I'm going to... I'm going to channel power, actually. So I'm going to put the domino at the back of my chain. Uh, the question that I'm going to ask is, and I think it's it's fairly on brand for the situation, as I take in power, the excess pours into my surroundings, what destruction is caused around me? So the oath that I'm drawing on for the power to begin to start dealing with you, the jackals, is um, keep Eolith eternal, I think. Something has changed, and... Up with this, I will not put. <laughs> and so I'm trying to rally myself around that thought to think straight for long enough to do something about it. 
Um, but as I'm doing that, I suppose it goes a little bit wrong. So I'm going to ask that to, I think the closest to me is probably Flint. But you're in the, you're in Rush, aren't you? You're in the yeah. Rushes. So it's probably quite hard to see the landscape around you. Oaken, though, I think from the edges of the petrified forest probably can see Relict in the distance. Um, so would you like to describe the destruction it has caused and then sketch it on the map? What does Relict drawing in power look like? I don't think it necessarily looks like anything in particular. I think this is more of a mental gathering of strength. It's not a physically drawing my power in. It's Relict scrambling to pull all its loose, noodly thoughts together okay. and become kind of a functioning unit. It's like trying to mash a handful of wet sand into a sandcastle <laughs> and hope it holds long enough. So is Relic just sat there dormant at the minute? Yeah, I think Relic probably hunkered down and retreated into its shell a little bit just to like slap itself around the face and get ready, you know? Yeah. So destruction, it's quite hard because you are on a salt flat and it's like, how much, how much more destroyed can you get? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This is a tough one. I guess um, one of the things that comes to my mind is if Relict is like drawing in its consciousness from all over the landscape, it doesn't necessarily have to be immediately where it physically is. Yeah, that's true. The destruction might not be in the salt plains. It might be somewhere else where I was kind of holding something together and now I'm not. Ooh, you know what would be fun is... Oh, no! (laughs) Is if that drawing of power kind of caused caused the glacier to shear and slip down. So, uh, sorry, Akomi. So what does this look like? I guess it starts as a noise. You know that deep groaning in the ice as it starts to shift and break deep, deep underneath the town. And then a kind of juddering of shockwaves. And they don't even notice them moving. So only when they kind of see the sky tilt that they realise a gigantic chunk with half their town is sliding down the mountain. Oh no. oh no. Well, at least half of it's still there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Does it affect the people in it? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it would, wouldn't it? So the, <laughs> the, the glacier as well is quite near to the river, so I imagine a bit of it will go tumbling into that and be swept away. Yeah, so the, the shockwaves will have done damage to the buildings that are still there, even. Are people surviving in the glacier itself, or are they, or are they having to flee, or does anyone survive? I think I think there are survivors, and time is a bit different there, right? So I imagine this exacerbates that, and so there's some kind of there's some damage that will take longer to be seen. Oops. It didn't take as long for something awful to happen. No, that was that was pretty extreme from you lighting a candle. <laughs> well, I guess I caused some entropy. Yeah, you just burnt one of my legs, so I blame you. I was trying to gather in all the parts of me to make a coherent whole, and one of them, as it turns out, was on fire in the hotel room. <laughs> Well, to be fair, the good townsfolk had already melted it down. It was just the jackal using it in a holy ritual was a bit much. I mean, you blocked my access to my power, so I kind of think we're even here. We are not. <laughs> um, 
So I pass over to an opponent of my choice, which I think is going to be the bastard who burnt my leg. <laughs> okay, so I think I'm going to raise the stakes again. I'm getting close to to the remnant, but I'm not that close to them. That is a seven. So I can't channel power again because of the question I took last time. So I think my options are to either advance or to give ground. And I think I'd like to advance. So describe how I move through the battlefield. So I think this advance is, at the moment, kind of cautious. I think it's lots of both scouting the environment near the town and getting a feel for what the landscape is like, and also, at the same time, putting like feelers out around the town, around rushes. I'm imagining this in like a Deadwood sort of way when like George Hurst is coming into a town and like he's got agents there kind of like spreading rumours so that things go a little bit chaotic in the town. And I think there's a purpose to this, which hopefully we'll get to, but yeah, like the idea of using rumour and carefully placed words to kind of spread entropy is kind of Flint's intentions at the minute. Nice. So on a six to eight, I get to ask one of these questions. So I'm going to go for, as I move out of cover, you identify or create a weak point you can exploit to your advantage. What is it? I think I'd like to ask this to to the envoys. Okay. I suppose picturing the scene, the the shifting of the glacier has caused an awful lot of ice um, and debris to rumble down into the canyon and, you know, disturb a lot of what's down there. Um, maybe a couple of the cranes and pulleys, which are used to fish things out of the ravine, have been shifted. And with the disquiet that you've caused somehow the rumour starts spreading that something is moving in the bottom of the canyon. Of course, you can't see anything. The bottom of the ravine, uh, or the the usually crystal clear argon, has been disturbed uh, by massive clouds of pulverised ice, and there's all sorts of shapes moving down there. And the mayor panics. Uh, He's a sort of an E.B. Farnham type. um, (laughs) And decides he's going to be the big hero uh, by moving the town. Um, he doesn't think to uproot its moorings first, so it's still pegged to the ground. He starts to move the uh, the town northward along the ravine's edge, which of course is quite counterproductive, because that's moving it nearer uh, to Relict, but he really is a dreadful mayor. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of exposed as the town moves. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to have to make a call, I suppose, as to whether to stay on this rather ramshackle caravan of moving buildings uh, or or jump off and uh, and head solo across the salt flats. Not solo, I've got Bregu, my uh, faithful steed. So I pass over to the opponent furthest away from me, which is going to be which is going to be the envoys. Right. Well, I think I'd better draw a domino and then make my decision. Well, that's a 4. Okay. So so not very good. No, the envoys aren't having a banger of a draw, are they? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give ground, and I'm going to tell you how. As the ice cascades into the Argon Ravine, taking half uh, of the town of Akomi with it, uh, Mel uh, takes heavy footsteps and sort of thunders out of the discarded shell. Uh, in what passes for a rage amongst the envoys. Remember, their usual slow deliberation is being compromised. But 
I think, you know, they think as a group, um, or whatever just out intelligence emerges from them has realized that maybe Mel is taking things a little hastily and it is perhaps time for that group intelligence to take over. So Mel raises her horrible horn of bees as she stands on the lip of the ravine and she blows it. It sounds a bit, if you remember, like the horrible horn uh, played by the elephant men in Return of the King. I'll play that for you now. Yes. <laughs> it's uh, the horn of the Harad from Return of the King, and I want you to imagine that, but crossed with someone kicking a hornet's nest with an iron boot. <laughs> so uh, she blows her horrific horn of bees, and from out of her enormous bellows-like chest, a huge swarm erupts and floods down into the canyon, uh, into the turmoil of the inert gases uh, in its depths, and... At the lip of the canyon emerges uh, one of the other forms of the envoys, and that is Adel, uh, which is a huge, grey, shaggy hexapod. It's this great grey beast um, covered in the most inert, dead-looking hair. Uh, No eyes, no facial features, uh, just these six towering legs um, and this sort of hulking body. It's... um, probably the size and mass of one of the larger sauropod dinosaurs. And from its underside, uh, there are these sort of large orifices which constantly vent clouds of freezing argon. Uh, So you can't breathe around this thing. It's literally suffocating. And it climbs out onto the lip of the canyon uh, on the opposite side from the shell. And it sort of braces itself in the path of the moving buildings of Rush. And... It releases a huge billow of frozen argon gas, which kills the boilers uh, stone dead and stops the city in in its tracks with a juddering halt, shaking everything aboard. And that is how negotiations open. (laughs) Okay, so you're doing give ground. Yes, I'm giving giving ground. It's um, the town has stopped. Uh, and the creature inclines its head towards you. And even though it has no face, you know it's looking directly at you, Jackal. And it will not speak, but it will listen. You have the ability to speak directly to the envoys. And we are listening. So which question are you asking from the list? And um, which doubt? Well, the doubt, we're worried you've come here for a good reason. You know, of course, what we're absolutely committed to is reducing the amount of entropy in the world. And what if that's actually what you're here to do? What if by slaying Relict, you're actually doing what we believe in? So despite the show of force and that we are frankly not messing around, there's a real curiosity there. We want you to make your case. So I think Flint sets out on Bregu. And rides out to meet with the... What was the name of the envoy again? Adel? Adel. Uh, E-D-E-L. And kind of clambers down from the mountain. It doesn't seem fearful in any sort of way. Like, this is a thing that they're used to dealing with. And they say, Envoy, I am sorry that you are part of this quarrel. 
and I can guess from from your actions that for a while you've been unsure of your master. You know that it draws too much from the world around it, that in seeking to preserve this environment, it risks damaging everything else. As I say, our quarrel is not with you, but if you seek to fight on behalf of your master, we will bring you down. The enormous beast raises its head back up for a second and emits a gust of cold argon, not enough to suffocate you, uh, but enough to certainly make the air grow denser. It's not so much an implicit threat, so much as a thoughtful pause. It takes two steps backwards, quite delicately, just cracking the salt flat it stands upon, and lets out one more sharp gust. It leaves the imprint of a glyph drawn in the salt, which you know to mean a question mark of sorts. It's a very old language, and it's a form of punctuation that suggests not just a question, uh, but a question of intention. I suppose you might guess that it's asking you why you're doing this, personally. Does it want me to answer now? That's up to you. Who is it asking? Is it asking me why I'm doing this, or why the jackals are doing this? From what shared language you appear to have with it, from what you understand of that sign, it relates to the personal uh, rather than the civilizational or the cultural. Because relict will drain time, will drain life, will drain energy. First the regions, immediately next to it, and then further. I do this to protect the people and beings like yourself who live in this world. You have two choices. You can fight, or you can hand yourselves over to us. And it will mean your end, but in doing so, you will serve the values that you seek to protect. And I think I just walk away at that point. I would like to point out no one can prove I'm going to drain the lifetime and energy out of the whole world. <laughs> bit, bit, of a, bit of a reach, really. <laughs> There's a well-made case. Uh, Adel lets loose one more gust of gas that rises a big cloud of salty dust. And when the dust recedes, somehow uh, the enormous form of the beast has vanished from view. And I suppose then I will pass over to the opponent with the shortest chain, which would be... Yeah, I think that's uh, that's Oaken over there. Yeah, that's me, all right. I think I'm going to raise the stakes some more. Ooh, wow. A ten. Okay. Nice. That's interesting. That's big numbers. So I've got a pretty good vantage point here. And I've seen the glacier fall. I've seen the town travel. And uh, the, the meeting of the envoys. And that's all going on the other side of the relic. So I'd imagine it's quite distracted. Mm. By that, That's I'm going to take this opportunity to charge. I'm going to use, you know, my strength of balance to run across the tops of all those shards of broken trees, like running across a bed of nails. Oh. Hardcore. Yowch. So, so I'm moving boldly, and I think when I do that, the relic at least will pay attention because I think. I think you can sense the change, you know? 
like as my as my feet leave the treetops, they kind of crumble into dust behind me. So if you're focused on me, it gives one of my eyes an opening, and they act next. So the question is who, but because we're only playing with two people on each side, maybe a nice question to ask is like, what draws your attention? Um, I think just something moving so fast. Okay. It doesn't happen very often here unless it's my envoys. I think even the river goes so slow and Rush obviously moves quite fast, but there's, it just kind of was there as far as Relict is concerned. It kind of blinked and then there was a town on wheels that's on fire somehow. <laughs> I don't know. It's all very confusing and upsetting and they've been meaning to, de- meaning to deal with it. Um, but a single entity doesn't really move that fast around these parts. Certainly not through the field of shards. And directly And directly towards, towards me, yeah, which is also upsetting. So, yeah, I think it's the fact of movement at all is what draws my attention. So, um, the end of advance is if you gave an ally an opening, they act next. So I guess it passes over back to Flint. Yeah. So not quite within, like, striking distance of relict dominoes at the minute, but I think instead of raising the stakes, I think I would like to knock them down. So my chain is currently four dominoes long, which is enough to, like, create quite a meaty attack. So when you knock them down, you don't draw a domino. Um, You use your gathered power and you push over the dominoes. So because we're using roll 20, we've kind of created a way to kind of connect those chains, but... The chain I've got is a chain of four. If only your chain is knocked over, you strike from a distance. Pick which opponent you target. So even though I think I think Relict is my main target at the minute, I think the first one to strike out and weaken the envoys a little bit so they can't protect their remnant as well. Okie dokie. I think part of this is kind of the second part of that, of the jackal's sort of approach to killing remnants, which is kind of damaging like the remnant's connection to the landscape. So I think I'm leaving town, but I think before I do that, I've kind of got like a second part to like my spreading of rumor. So I think this kind of looks a little bit like a montage. I think you see you see Flint playing like a, a game of chance, like a betting game. It, it's probably like a kind of domino style game made out of the pieces carved out of the bones of the creatures like drawn up from from the river. And I think it's getting someone into like heavy debt with Flint <laughs> and then using that to like to kind of leverage that person to spread a rumour through the town. And the rumour is that someone wants to pay big for the corpse of an envoy. And it's kind of getting uh, like the gathered treasure hunters and fortune seekers and bounty hunters to go out into the world and try and hunt down the envoys. And I think you see them like striking out in ones and twos and threes with like fierce-looking weapons, trying to find part of the collective. You know, I'm almost thinking that this has happened in flashback. And you've actually been embedded in this town a, a little while, and it's only just being revealed now that these hard-faced killers have been out in the landscape, uh, unbeknownst to us, for a little while. Yeah. We don't really have a time scale here, but I imagine this is all taking place over, like, weeks, if not months. Mm. I mean, to the outside world, it might be decades and years, depending. You've because been here how, 900 yeah, years already. Because of how relics <laughs> works, but yes. Okay. Um, so when you knock them down... You basically count how many dominoes have fallen, and there are different like levels of effect that you do depending on how many you've knocked down. And for each level that you pass, you get to choose one of two effects. 
So I have knocked four of them down, so I get to choose one from the two to three level and one from the four to five level. So I think I might do one from the four to five level first. So I can either strip away your weapons and remove one of your strengths, or I am filled with defiance and remove one of my doubts. I think I'd like to strip away one of your strengths. So what are your strengths at the minute? So my strengths are, or our strengths, is that we are many. We have an emergent intelligence. Our second strength is that our strength is inversely proportional to the amount of entropy around us. So the more order there is, the stronger we are. Our third strength is that Mel has a horn that shoots bees. <laughs> I think there's definitely a part of it where it's like hitting away at your like we are many strength and kind of maybe Edel gets captured. Oh yes. After they've managed to like relay some of the messages, like yeah, they, they kind of get captured by some of these treasure hunters. And we maybe get like a scene of them being like kind of dragged into town, kind of tussled and like struggling and probably just being like broken open yes the reason it disappeared from behind the dust cloud uh, was of course because there were a couple of trucks lying in wait uh, with nets and blindsided it Uh, so yes it's now been uh, carried into the town and uh, strangely underneath that shaggy hair it's almost got a brittle hide like porcelain or crab shell which has been cracked open to reveal the frozen slushy grey innards inside. Uh. Is it that cooking video, Nate? Is that what it looks like inside? Is, is it an isopod? Oh, no. That's what it looks like, oh, yes. Oh, I hate that video. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So if anyone wants to see a gross cooking video, what should they search for, Nate? Is it isopod? A giant isopod sushi. Yeah, it's... Um, have you ever seen a giant isopod? They're uh, sort of a huge benthic crustacean which looks like if the devil had to go on a woodlouse, uh, full of really grim grey guts. Uh, that's quite a sight. They're mostly full of sludge and jelly. Hmm. But yeah, I think that that's not a strength that gets stricken out. I don't think we are many is the one that gets hit here. Maybe I think it's maybe the less entropy around me, the stronger I become. I think we're starting to cause enough entropy in the world to kind of start hurting the envoys. Mm. Both because of like the hunting and the chaos that is causing, and maybe there are like another couple of uh, another couple of like tasks and things like that that I spread through the town. So maybe our attention is split so much that there's a sort of a chaos now inherent within our whole. Yeah, there's sort of a, a lot of um, signal jamming and disruption within the sort of uh, shared consciousness that we have, and with that sort of disruption inside. Uh, how can we hope to draw strength from the order outside of us? You've really rustled our jimmies. Um, and I think the second thing I'm going to choose, which is from the two to three piece, is I can either throw you off balance, discarding any domino from your chain. But I think the one I'm going to do instead of that is I move like lightning. I set up my new chain anywhere on the map. And I think this is me using uh, Bregu, which is like the mount that's kind of, they're described in halfway between like a bison and a rhino. Um, but I think between like my ability to manipulate strata and I think maybe Bregu can kind of tunnel. We managed to like tunnel beneath the earth to kind of reset up, to set up somewhere near Oaken, behind the remnant. So normally what would happen after you knock them down, if you've knocked down multiple chains, is you choose one of them to stand up. But because I've moved mine and no one else's chain gets uh, knocked down, I just discard the rest of my dominoes. 
So Flint is currently sort of at the border between uh, the forest of petrified wood and the peat bog. And I pass over to the opponent with the most intact strengths, which is Relict. I'm so strong. <laughs> um, I am going to uh, raise the stakes, I think, because I've only got two little dominoes. And also I think Relict is not yet rumbled enough to go all out. They're aware something is wrong, but not necessarily what exactly. So that is a six, which is not dreadful. With my six, I think I'm going to stay channeling power. A bit boring, I'm afraid, but I don't want to advance, and I think it takes Relict quite a long time to power up, as it were. So I'm going to put a domino at the rear of my chain, sort of retreating towards my envoys. I think I'm drawing on my oath allow open access, the idea that Elith should be not completely closed off. Relict, now they've kind of got themselves together a bit, it's trying to actively funnel some of that power back out into keeping the mountain pass open where the glacier has collapsed. It's trying to rectify some of that fault. And so it's kind of digging the the clawed fingers of all its spindly legs deep into the, the salt plains beneath it to sort of feel through the earth for where the glacier is um, and stop it from, from moving any further and, and keep the pass open and the river flowing. But as I focus inwards, I'm unable to stop you picking off someone crucial to my side. Who? And that, I think, is going to go to Flint. Okay. I think in my mind it makes sense for that to be another envoy. I would suggest that you open the um the list of my forms and choose a target. Yeah. So I think we've got two options. Like either it's one that is in this peat bog, or it could be something that is elsewhere. Well, there is one in the peat bog. Hmm. And it's already been awakened as well. It's it's probably watching you with strange little ossified eyes. So which envoy is this? That would be Chroma. So Chroma is not so much a creature as it is a piece of geography. Uh, it's a patch of very dense peaty ground, and it's based here in the, the peat bog, but it can actually move slowly like a stain around all of the earth. And once it's underneath something that should not be there or that needs moving, a whole forest of fossil jawbones emerge on stalks of tar, kind of like a snail's eyeballs on stalks, and they clamp onto their foes, um, hooking on in their hundreds, and then pull them slowly down into the ground. Not a terribly nice entity, but a very effective one and a very useful tool. It's just doing what it was told. I think it's a perfectly nice envoy. Thank you very much. I I shouldn't have uh, such low self-esteem. But those jawbones, I think, are are starting to snake towards you. Yeah. So this is like a tar-like bog, rather than something that has plant life? Yeah, it's a petrochemical bog, this one. It's, um, you know, really varies in colour between pitch black and uh, and charcoal grey. So I think the thing that I've got in my mind is one of the powers we established for Flint are these powers to kind of manipulate the earth and the strata around them. I was trying to think of like the like how how would you defeat a bog? And like one way is you might be able to disrupt it some way. But I think like maybe the most direct way is they just open the ground beneath Chroma and just kind of let it fall. 
ah, like almost chroma ring chroma, right? Like this is a thing that pulls you under. I'm just going to like pull chroma five miles beneath the earth. Ah, oh, just opening some, yeah, really deep down pocket of gas and just of hooping it down. Yeah, and I think this is definitely something that draws a lot of my strength. I think Flint is definitely left weakened from this and kind of not quite able to act fully next turn. Or, like, in the future, I think it's going to take some, like, recouping time for them. But, yeah, I think they just do everything they can to kind of open a rift beneath you. Oh, I can imagine Chroma trying to cling on to the surface, you know, using all of these little jaw bones as, as almost, like, grappling hooks, and you just mercilessly oh. walking around, severing each strand of tar. Oh, Chroma. Oh, Chroma. What a way to go. I'm so sorry. I'm very sorry that we didn't get to see Chroma in action, but also... It seemed horrifying, so... <laughs> yeah, but best dealt with. They might crawl back out, you never know. Yeah. Um. So is this this entire peat bog? Was that Chroma? I think he's just a patch of it. Okay. That's right. Um. And yeah, at the end of my channel power and the loss of my someone crucial, I pass over to an opponent of my choice, which I think is going to be Oaken. Okay. Oh, we're doing a pretty good job on the envoys so far. Yeah, we are at half strength. So I think while we're on this kind of killing streak, I'm going to raise the stakes again and draw a thumbnail. This is five, so that's not great. You know what? I'm I'm going to keep on advancing. There's stuff happening, things are dying. My bloodlust is, is real high right now. And I'm almost out of this difficult terrain and on the straight path to the remnant. It kind of puts us next to each other as well. Yeah, yeah. United Front. Though I am worried that you're going to make the killing glow and get all the glory. But because it's a five, I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to charge forward heedlessly. And as Bloodlust spills me, what nobler emotion does it crowd out? Choose one of my oaths and mark it as forsaken. Ooh. And I'm going to direct that to Relic. Let me get your oaths up. So I've got, I fight as my duty, I fight for the respect of my family, and I fight to feel I have impact. Yeah, I think I fight as my duty is the one that goes. Because oh. I think as as you're charging forward, your dander's up, you're ready to shed some dusty blood, you're excited about this this monument to how great you are that it will be once Relict is gone. And I don't think you're really thinking anymore about why Relict has to go. I don't think you're thinking about the the world beyond. I don't think you're thinking about the future. I don't think you're even thinking about Eolith itself. I think it's kind of all about you now and proving yourself and having impact and that respect you long for from your family. And the point of why the Jackals sent you is kind of gone. Yeah, this is pure personal vendetta now, huh? It's pure personal vendetta against the thing that only vaguely even knows you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I was going to say one of the things that's been noticeable for me, and it might have happened, like, off-screen before, like, before we started the session, but, like, while Flint has been going through, like, the rituals and, like, the process for killing a remnant, Oaken has shown, like, no desire to do that. Yeah. I did actually have a plan for that that did not work with the dominance I got. That's fair. You just got too excited. 
did. I think it kind of works quite nicely. Yeah. That's like a dog in front of a tray of glory sausages. <laughs> <laughs> and as such, you forsake your oath to fight as your duty. Okay. So, um, pass over to the opponent furthest away from me. The envoy. Well, just as for you, sometimes business is pleasure. Uh, we may have lost two envoys. We may have lost... I can make you some more. Yeah, well, that may be what's about to happen. Um, I've drawn a domino. It is a, a six. That will do for me. We are going to advance. And we're going to advance in a peculiar way, if you'll allow it. What's going to happen next might be a bit gross, but it wouldn't be a first. I'm going to raise the stakes uh, and advance, as I say, and Mel is going to continue to stand in this commanding position. She's standing on the lip of the canyon with a great view uh, of, of what's happened across the way. Um, she's been furious to see Adel hacked up uh, by the people of the Rush. You know, she's watching uh, as Relict kind of uh, braces and turns its attention towards these two interlopers. And she's going to give another big old honk on her horn of bees. And this time, the bees aren't going to fly down into the canyon. They're going to flow uh, over the land uh, towards Relict itself and surround Relict. And Relict, with your permission, uh, they would uh, like to secrete the chemicals uh, that will stimulate the release of perhaps your most dangerous envoy. Yes, I, I think it's time, isn't it? So, with um, a movement that causes the, the earth to shake, uh, Relict sinks down into a crouch, and from a sort of a marsupial pouch, uh, somewhere beneath its ventral surface, disgorges uh, what appears to be a huge mermaid's purse. If you're familiar with a mermaid's purse, it's a sort of a pillow-shaped leathery sack that you find washed up on beaches, and it's in fact the, the egg case of a stingray. Uh, it's the pod that contains a hungeo, which is a very strange envoy. It's a very dangerous figure, and it's not often released because it's got a very strange relationship with entropy, because of course each of the envoys represents a way of preserving something, and one of the most unusual ways to preserve something is to ferment it, which of course involves temporarily increasing the amount of chaos and, and decay in something in order to bring about a more long-term stasis. So, for example, with, with many fish dishes, um, you look at Greenland shark or uh, Surströmung or, or things like that, you let them rot a little bit. Uh, to develop such a toxic composition that it kills all bacteria. And this is what Hongeo is the essence of. It is a gigantic rotting stingray, absolutely festering with burning alkaline ammoniac blood chemistry. It is constantly dropping bits of itself and replenishing itself, and it glides over the ground, leaving the landscape pickled and blackened and smoking. It is not an easy presence in... Most times it would absolutely horrify the envoys to have this thing out and about, uh, but with their sense of purpose so warped as it is at the moment and, and so much internal discord, 
it seems like the best thing they can do is temporarily max out on entropy in order to preserve it in the long term. And of course, since our strength has been removed, it's not like we're drawing power from order. We might as well. So welcome to the party, Hongeo. Um, so just to clarify, yeah, are your two chains sort of connected now? I think they are millimetres away from it. If we can call them connected, that would be great. Yeah, if you want I, that. I think we can call them connected. I think we have... Relict has called out in distress, and the swarm of bees have answered. So whatever the next blow is, is probably going to be a big one. Oh. We've got out the big gun now. What was the question from the advance? Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, we got so caught up in the fun, didn't we? Um, we did. <laughs> I suppose, um, Relic, since I basically just coerced you into laying an egg, um, <laughs> I'm going to consult you here. Uh, should it be mm-hmm. what is destroyed in my wake? Um, pick a feature and describe how it's lost forever? Uh, or as I move out of cover, you find a weak point you can exploit? Um, I think probably weak point you can exploit. Because I think seeing just how the envoys are kind of quite literally formed from Relict gives you quite a good look at both how Relict and the envoys work. So there's probably something exploitable in there. Yeah, that sounds legit to me, actually. And I think because we've had Oaken advance with this single-minded focus that's now become very personal, I imagine Oaken's got quite a vested interest in spotting that weakness. Yeah, just a weak point, huh? So, just describe the birth to me. So I think me and Nate talked about this before, actually, kind of off mic. You're positioned close enough now to Relict that you probably got a glimpse of kind of the inside of the shell. In these divots in its skin or under its skin, there are all these pods which contain kind of like, I guess, the seeds of potential envoys. Okay. And I imagine that's like a lot of entropy happening. Yeah, and I think I think this is one that Relict has already created, but that because it's so kind of controversial is kept inside it most of the time. Yeah. But I guess the weak point is seeing that gap between the shell and what it's protecting. Well, I suppose once you've seen the way out, you can infer a way in. Yeah, good point. Gross. Very. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just before we go over to our next question, Nate, would you like to maybe describe Hongio's first moments on Earth? So as uh, as Oaken crests a low dune on the salt flats, uh, this is what they see, uh, relics, as I say, uh, kneeling on its sort of eight or nine back legs, and then with a sort of horrible fluttering of membranes somewhere underneath the shell. Uh, there is a sort of a wet snapping noise and a sound almost like timber sliding down a clay hill after a rainforest monsoon. And this huge leathery sack thuds out in what seems to be a sort of a splash of water. But then as the sand itself starts to smoke, it becomes apparent that wasn't water, uh, but in fact a very powerful alkali uh, and ammonia solution. Then the sack itself begins to sort of crisp up and turn a light grey before just blowing apart into a wisp as it's degraded uh, by the chemicals released uh, and a sort of a 
what appears to be a cigar shape at first unrolls into a sort of a large loathsome pancake. Two damp spiracles uh, pop open and take their first shuddering breaths, and two deep red eyes uh, open in the front of this broad and festering snout. And Hongio unfurls its wings and begins to slither across the surface of the dune to face the jackals, and the sand blazes behind it with chemical fury. <laughs>